Good afternoon or good morning, depending on where you're dialing in from. Welcome to today's presentation. I'm Aurora from ELA, and this is the impact that parent-child conversations have on advocacy, agency, and aspirations, presented by ELA and Gab On in partnership with edweb.net. So who is ELA? What is ELA? We are the Educating All Learners Alliance, ELA for short. We're part of the ed nonprofit called Innovate EDU. And basically what ELA does is we're a coalition, we're a network of networks, all different organizations that produce and share resources, programs, and events just like this dedicated to supporting students with disabilities and folks with learning differences. We are proud to present the impact that parent-child conversations have on advocacy, agency, and aspirations. And our presenters today are Sylvia Hall, Sylvia Hall is a mom of a student who learns differently, a fierce advocate for all learners, uh, especially unique thinkers, and she's a serial dog rescuer. Love to hear that. She's the co-founder of Gab On, and with her is Jared Hall, the dad of two kids who learn differently, idea generator, and Gab On builder. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Sylvia and Jared to lead us through this awesome work. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Aurora, so much for that introduction. And thank you, Ela and Ed Webb for partnering with us today. And thank you, everybody here joining us today. We know you've got a million things on your plate with all of the things in the chat that you've listed in terms of your journey. There's so much more from a family and from educators. There's meetings that go on behind the scenes and all the therapies that you take your kids to and paper with lots of paperwork and IEPs and just so many things that families are doing behind the scenes for their kids who learn things differently. That as a parent, as a mom, there is definitely more behind the scenes work that comes with a child who learns differently. And with our son, who I will introduce, his name is Austin, who um, has learning differences. We were doing all this behind the scenes work and we were had some incredible teachers and special educators we were working with along the way thought we were doing all the right things in terms of preparing him and navigating him for his journey. And we felt very connected with him until, until we didn't, until suddenly we didn't feel connected with him anymore. All the things that parents do, you know, they, they, they're the interpreter for the child, they lead the medical work, they, they engage with teachers, they engage with specialists. There's to and from, there's so much work going on and it feels like, you know, I felt like, you know, that helped me connect with my son, but watching Sylvia, you know, we had, we had the, the honor or the, or the pleasure, the privilege of being able to be set up where Sylvia was able to take care of Austin and do all that work behind the scenes and working with schools, working with specialists to make sure Austin was getting what, what he needed. And I was at work. Uh, I worked in Stanford uh, at uh, GD Capital at the time, very busy. And what I noticed was, um, for a long time when he was home, when he was when he was doing all his therapies and there wasn't as much school involved, we were really connected. We played, we did things. But over time, we started to disconnect. I noticed, you know, we're very different people. I love sports. I love competition. Um, I was part of the military. I love socializing. And these are all things that Austin really didn't like. And I found that he, he started disconnecting from me over time. But we started disconnecting. We just didn't share the same interests and the same same ideas of what fun was. But I was trying to find a way is how do we, how do, how do he and I connect? And one of the ways I thought would be a great way to connect because it was a common theme for both of us was school. So I wanted to talk to him about his school experience and engage about his school experience. And so we all, all parents, all teachers, anyone involved with kids knows this, this, this run here. How was your day? Fine. What'd you do at school today? Nothing. 
What I didn't know what was happening behind the scenes for Austin because of his neurology was he couldn't remember his day. Not only could he not remember his day, he couldn't keep up with the questions I was asking. And I didn't know that this was a problem that was going on, but I knew we were getting disconnected. So I went in to talk to his teacher to better understand what was happening. And I got schooled by, my, by his teacher. She was an amazingly wonderful educator for me at the time because I was really pretty desperate to connect with my guy. The connection I thought was really vital and important for he and I. And, you know, she, we sat down and explained that I was trying to understand more about what was happening at school. And she looked at me and she said, well, do you know about working memory? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't. And she explained that working memory in this context is really about him being able to recall the experiences and the information that he learned in the day and use it in a conversation at the end of the day. And I understand the working memory definitions here. There's more to it. But from this context, he was really just trying to get an understanding of what was going on with my guy. And it was a neurology, neurological problem. And based on working memory, she said, asking Austin to remember his day, it was like asking a blind person to try harder to read or to see. You can't do it. And I just, I just thought, I didn't expect that answer. I didn't expect that situation. And then she asked me, do you know about processing delays? And I, I, didn't, I didn't know about processing delays. I didn't understand what that meant in the context of Austin. And really it was about his ability, his time to acquire information that I'm sharing with him and answer questions in the back and forth dialogue. What's happening was just getting kind of overwhelmed with the conversation that we were trying to have, <clears throat> trying to have with him. And it wasn't going so well. Then she asked me about is how are you showing up for that conversation and showing up for you or for him? At the time I was in my, my mid thirties and I had been basically trained how to have conversations with adults over 30 years. And I was talking to my son who was in fourth or fifth grade at the time. And he, that's not where he was. And so there's a really big disconnect about how I engaged with him. And so at this point, this isn't the dad I wanted to be. I didn't want to be the dad that was putting pressure on him. I wanted to be a dad that connected with my guy. So it's really all about, you know, how do I, how do I help him overcome his anxiety and my anxiety about not being able to connect with my guy? And it's all about action. It's all about doing something to alleviate the anxiety on both our sides in that situation. And at the heart of it was connection. <clears throat> Dr. Hallowell um, wrote a book, ADHD 2.0, and talks a lot about uh, vitamin C being a vitamin of connection. Um, the Surgeon General recently came out with a, with a conversation about loneliness. And these are real topics that were relevant to me. I grew up in a family with uh, learning disabilities, um, and I understood how vital connections were, but also how they can become disconnected. People with learning disabilities can become disconnected from families from communities because of the way they think and, and the way they process information, but I needed to take action. So from for, for my perspective, really it was about, I needed to meet him where Austin was, where, where is he right now in his ability to communicate and engage and connect? And what, what does he want to talk about? You know, I was showing up, I was looking for information, I was looking for facts. I wanted to know how he was doing in school, what he was doing in school. I wanted that report from him. I really needed to give him a platform to talk about what he wanted to talk what was comfortable for him? What could he remember? What could he recall? And then I needed to be a completely different person when I showed up to talk to him. I needed to listen. I needed to be curious. And I needed to enjoy the conversation that he brought to the table. Now, I thought I was doing this in a little bit, but I needed to really change the way I approached Austin and how I engaged with him going forward. And so that really led me to figuring out how to build what we now call Gap On. The whole idea behind it is that when Austin would go into school, he'd have experiences, math, science, English, art. He'd be at recess. Um, he'd be in the hallways. He'd have at lunch, frenemies, enemies, all, all the kind of stuff that was going on. 
Um, and he had that experience, but the question is, how do we get that home? And the idea was to um, have him capture hints and reminders during the day. So when he was in science class or what is math class, or at the end of the day, he'd stop and work with his teacher, he'd give him some time, and then Austin would choose what he want to talk about at the end of the day. We have examples of what those look like. But once he captured those hints and reminders, those would be sent home to me and, and Sylvia, and we could see what was coming home. And when he did get home, we could say, onion skin of lake water. What does that mean, Austin? Mm -hmm. And that was how the whole thing worked. Have the experience, capture hints and reminders, then we got the hint and reminder on our on our app, and we could show it to him at the end of the day, and he could recall what happened during that day more easily. And I think it's just to go one step further, it was a little more than it was the recall, it was the retracing and recall. It was the storytelling. It was being able to take the time, not have competition at the dinner table or in the car about who gets to have that time to talk. It was his space to talk. It was we created a comfort zone for him to have those conversations, to start those conversations. But it was also that we were able to hear his perspective and his context about what was happening in the day. And it could be a lesson. It could be an event. It could be something that happened, you know, during recess. It was what was important to him is what he was talking about. And that's so key yeah. because from that, we can glean where some of the challenges are that he's running into. But we can also as importantly, find out where he finds his joy in learning. Because often what they'll talk about is what they want to share with you. And that is so important to know where do they find their joy in learning? What has been a positive in their day? Yeah. And so this is what would come home to us from a, from a Gabon perspective. We would see these little cards where the Gabs would come home and Onyeski in Lakewater was the first one that, that came home. And what he could see was science class. And so he could retrace his, his, his time in school and put himself back in, in, in the science class. And the onion skin and lake water was the reminder. Now, the very first time this came home, I showed it to him. And I said, Austin, what does this mean? Yeah. He looked at me and said, Dad, I don't remember. He didn't remember. Nope. And, and Sylvia said, oh, don't worry about it. You know, take your time. Why don't you get up and walk around? I think when, he, when he's in motion, he kind of can remember better. So he got walked around the kitchen a couple of times. He sat down. He said, Dad, I remember. We were in science class. We are looking at onions under, this, under the microscope. We saw the cell walls. And then the teacher gave us a vial and said, go to the pond. Get a sample of water and come back and look at that under the microscope. And they did. And you can imagine the story about just getting the coats on, going to the, the pond and coming back was one in story in and of itself. But when they got back, they looked at the uh, sample under the microscope and they found a water bug. And in the water bug, Robetta because they believed it had eggs. They created a cartoon for Robetta to tell the class in the, in the school about what they found. And the story went on and on about his experience in science class, once he recalled what it was. And then I shared a story about catching pollywads and frogs as a kid. Sylvia shared an experience about falling into a pond full of green pond scum. It was gross. <laughs> well, what started to happen is the family started to have a conversation around what Austin brought home. It was his story. He let it. And then the dialogue was going on. We were having a conversation back and forth. And it was fully engaged in what we were talking about. And it was just a wonderful experience to watch him kind of come alive and really bring himself to the dinner table and share it with us in a way that he hadn't done before because it was his, his space. We created a space for him to really be himself, show up the way he wanted to in a comfort way, in a comfortable way that was, was enabled him to really communicate and engage with us. You know, another gab that a family shared with us was fire drill. And that was from a, a family whose son was uh, high functioning autistic. 
in school and the gab came home and the mom immediately knew that she needed to have a conversation on this one. She said to a fire drill, was there a fire drill today? And he said, yes. And there was a little bit of conversation about it. But what was really amazing out of it was he said, mom, why do I wear headphones and why does it upset me so much? But the other kids are fine. And she said it was the first authentic conversation they had about autism. And it really opened up a conversation and a dialogue in that family that they hadn't had before. So, but each one of these uh, cards here represent different experiences that different kids wanted to have at home with their families. I'm going to add one more. Um, I'll talk about Austin again. And he came home with that GAB armor. And he was in eighth grade. And we had been using it, I think, for a year at that point. And so armor came home and we had company that night. And so we opened up the gaps and said armor and I, I jumped in, which I don't recommend. And I should have known by that point, it's something I don't do, but cause he said, I, I don't really remember armor. And I said, oh, does it have to do with the welding that you're doing at the steel yard with dad? He goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went down this path of I'm, I'm going to do some welding and I'm going to make some armor and, you know, for his little chest piece he was making and the helmet and all that cool stuff. And the conversation carried on and then the next morning at breakfast it was just Austin and I around the dinner table and he said mom I remember what that gap is and I said the armor gap and he said yes it is the invisible armor that I have to put on every day in science class because there are two boys behind me who are doing things and setting me up to take the fall and I don't know what to do about it half the time I don't even know what's happening and that was a huge window of opportunity for me to then be able to help him navigate what he needs to do at school. And then obviously also pick up the phone and have a conversation with his wonderful teacher. So it was all, and it all worked out, but I don't think that conversation would have happened. And so those smaller moments, the armor, the onion skin, the lake water, the bicycles and gym, when teachers are able to put in the gas, those lead to bigger conversations about the social situations and peer relationships. Um, what's happening in the world sometimes often that is scary and they're they're hearing the news and so it just it is it's a it's a reminder that prompts conversation that sparks deeper conversation and that leads to the connection and a wonderful glimpse into the world of what they're thinking and experiencing yeah and, and part of the reason for me looking to do the connection piece here was you know as i started to reconnect with austin i started to see him kind of um, have more energy more confidence and it really helped evolve him um, in, in school, but also within the family, we started to feel more connected. And I remember watching a video of, I think it was Russell Barkley talked about how as kids start to uh, grow and uh, go through school and make connections and, and make friends, kids with learning disabilities, he highlighted ADHD. But I think any kid with um, you know, working memory problems, processing delays, go through a similar experience where kids start to disassociate from, with them. And we saw that with Austin as well. So the need to connect was even more, from my perspective, watching him disconnect around him, but also how to bring him back into the family. And mainly for me, you know, Sylvia had a beautiful, wonderful connection with him that had been built over many years. I was just trying to reconnect with him, bring it back to um, the father-son relationship that was so, so helpful. And so from a consistency perspective, you know, I, I recently read a book uh, by Chuck, Chuck Duhigg, you know, The Power of Habits. And he talked about how there's no real set period of time by which a habit forms. It's really more about the, the enjoyment of what you're doing and that catching hold and, st and sticking around. 
what we found was our kids really enjoyed talking with us about things. They'd get in the car if we picked them up at school, they'd slam the door and say, I can't wait to tell you about the gab I got. It's so cool. And people, we started sharing the story and people said, yeah, but that's not going to happen for all kids. Most kids don't want to talk to their parents. Mm -hmm. And we actually ran a bit of a, a little mini research project um, in Providence, Rhode Island, where we live with a, a middle school kids. And we asked them, you know, it came down to, do you really ask me directly, do you want to connect with your kids? And every kid that we sat with and the other tables that we had uh, in the room ex exploring this experience, every kid said, I want to talk to my parents. I don't know how. Mm -hmm. They're on their phones. They're talking to other people. They're not interested. I'd really like to hear from my parents. I want to tell them what I'm doing at school. I'd like to have that. And that's when we said, we should probably do something about this. We should really make sure we get out there and start educating people about what can actually can happen. And that's one thing we're trying to do with Gab on is create a community that allows parents to explore how to do this and share their experiences with other parents and we can all learn together. And from a connectedness perspective, you know, it really came down to what, it, what was Austin's trajectory that he went through. We talked about being at the table when he was telling stories and we're having these conversations. And what we found is he found his voice. He literally would sit up straighter. He knew we had a safe space at, at the dinner table to have a conversation with us. There's no competition like Sylvia said. And he found his voice. He found that he could carry a conversation and he could tell a story the way he wanted to tell it and we'd listen. It would be curious and we'd dig a little bit. And he'd love the curiosity piece of this. And then once we started to see him getting a voice in the dinner table, we saw him getting more agency over how he engaged in the world around him, but especially at school. When he'd go into school, he started to ask for more help. Originally, he was kind of the kid that wanted to hide in plain sight didn't want to be called on, didn't want to be noticed. He just wanted to kind of get through the day. But as he started building his confidence, he started going to the teacher and saying, I don't understand. Can you please help me? Can you please explain this to me? What does that mean? And the agency started to really build. And so we really just started to see this. We heard this from other parents as well. The kids started to engage more. They started sharing more about their day, more emotion. They remembered names. And there was really wonderful experiences about getting that agency. Dr. Pam Cantor, a child psychiatrist and founder for Turnaround for Children, is one of our advisors. And one of the things she really took to about what we talked about was the fact that all parents need to get data points on their kids. And the more data points you get that's from your child, the more we can help our child navigate the world that's best for them. And that's what we really found that was, that was happening. And underlying all of this is mattering mm -hmm. and belonging. We started to have a world that Austin could belong to that was him. He was a part of it and he showed up the way he showed up best, which was with his Austinness. And so mattering became really apparent in the way he approached the world, approached school, approached his friends, approached the broader family and everywhere else that was going on around him. So really, we saw this trajectory of what was happening to him. We hear this from other parents and families as well, especially kids with learning disabilities who aren't connected to the world the way they'd like to be. And they can connect better with their families. This is the trajectory where hearing takes place. And that's what we're really super passionate about is, yes, we do have Gab Arm, but more importantly, we see this as an opportunity to really help a lot of these kids find their path, explore who they are, become more aware, self-aware of who they are. That self-awareness with that voice, building into agency, and then really understanding what possibilities might be open for them and their families. That's the kind of trajectory we really want to advocate for so many other families. The science backs everything that we said even though we didn't know it before we started. Mm -hmm. And if we can share anything with you, if we can point to the books that we've read, um, you know, one of the things I did read after I heard about the Hebs effect was Dr. Deutsch, um, who's a neurologist, talked about neuroplasticity. And he backed up, he kind of kind of backed up what the Hebs theory was that when 
parts of the brain are incapable of doing something. Other parts are willing and able to pick up those parts. We're not curing anything. We're not changing someone's diagnosis as much as just giving these kids some tools that allow them to go out into the world and engage with friends, with potentially with colleagues in the future, because this is preparing kids for future work in whatever they're going to be doing, whether it be in the workspace, in, a, in whatever experience they have after school. That's what the trajectory is all about, is getting them ready for what comes in, in life later after school. You can tell we're very passionate about what we do and what we've done. It's been an exciting adventure. Um, I love digging into the research and learning from some of these specialists and these brilliant people from UPenn, from Tufts, from Auburn, from U from uh, Penn State University. And I just love, I love talking to the families, the kids, mm. to the parents, to the teachers. Sylvia and Jared Hall, it has been fantastic to have you today. Um, and thank you so much for sharing your experiences, both as parents, educators, entrepreneurs. It's been a uh, wonderful chatting with you today.